Welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and introduce the crew to you guys if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. But we have attorney and former federal prosecutor Ward Mythaler, and I believe all retired this evening. And we do have Chief John Newman logging in shortly, uh, but we have a Major Ronald McMullen, Captain Brett Bartlett, uh, Corporal David D. Gresta, Officer Andrea Casal, and Producer Will Statzer. So uh, thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate it. Hey, also, um, shout out to our sponsors. We have GALS, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Verding Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies. And hey, we've got a lot of outlets that we get our information from. Uh, more coming up about them. And we are also powered by Pexip. So uh, we uh, we love our sponsors. And hopefully, uh, you guys will support our sponsors. So. Wow, what a what a a great lineup we have for you this evening. Um, a lot of you know that last week I uh, we all took a vacation. I was at the beach. I don't know if everybody else was, uh, but I was over in Treasure Island and uh, you know trying to keep up the up the speed on everything going on. Producer Will did a fantastic job last week of uh, airing some of our best content that we've had on the show, and so he uh, he used that um, to uh, put on the radio and all of our outlets, including uh, social media, YouTube, and Vimeo and on Rumble. So producer Will, thanks so much for doing that. Uh, guys, because of that, we've just got a ton of videos. And I don't mean just any videos. I mean, we've got some fantastic videos uh, that we're gonna be covering this evening. And yes, we even have a canine bite video. Uh, so you guys know I love those. So look, uh, without wait, waste any more time here, we've got uh, about nine minutes before we take our first commercial break. Let's jump into an article uh, on Police One and it's written by a guy named Greg Freeze, and it's it's what Chauvin's guilty verdict means for law enforcement. Of course, you know we've covered the Chauvin uh, incident, um, and there was also some look. There's been a lot of publicity and a lot of different things, but they even had a juror uh, that said that they were worried about what was going to happen in the aftermath. And then, of course, we've got what Maxine Waters said that might give them grounds, you know, for. Uh, a mistrial. From what I understand, we've got Attorney Ward here, so he can help dumb it down for us. Uh, but on Tuesday, April the 20th, last week, uh, Minnesota jury found ex-police officer Derek Chauvin guilty of second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. Myself, I thought that they were going to come back with just the manslaughter conviction, so I was uh, I was wrong and surprised on this. Uh, simultaneously, many chiefs and police officers in this article uh, looked inward and began to engage in conversations to better um, understand evolving public expectations, initiate new programs to build relationships with the community and stuff, uh, and ensure officers have the tools and training that match the laws and policies that direct their work. Um, so it sounds like kind of you know redoing the police department. And uh, with, with training and stuff. Now, specifically, the jury's decision to find Chauvin guilty, they said that it might strengthen the calls for police reform, which is what I was just talking about, an improvement uh, that had been widespread since Floyd's death. And the specific areas of reform that they're talking about, training, which everybody here on this show applauds, uh, duty to intercede, uh, but they're talking about cops interceding uh, on other cops that they think are doing something wrong. Uh, training documentation, uh, which I know we all preach, uh, recognition of a medical emergency, because we've had a lot of in-custody deaths and, and stuff along those lines. And then we've got a lot of police leaders uh, who have um, commented on what's been going on with the uh, with the verdict. And, uh, you know, just uh, Minnesota, uh, I guess Minneapolis police chief, uh, 
uh, Medaria, Aradonda, you know, made some comments. I, th- I actually thought that that was written pretty well. I didn't really like what the San Francisco police chief, uh, William Scott, said about uh, learning lessons from uh, history that, frankly, they've been trying to teach us for decades. So it almost sounded like he wanted to make reparations. And then we've got the Wichita, Kansas police chief, Gordon Ramsey. It's not the chef, Gordon Ramsey. Of course, chef and chief look alike. Yeah, yeah I know, David. Uh, but it's this is what he says. He's slamming Minneapolis. And remember, he's in Wichita, uh, Kansas. He's saying justice prevailed today in the reprehensible actions of the Minneapolis police officer. But, you know, the Wichita Police Department, they're committed to continuous improvement and collaboration with the community. They care. That's what he said, anyhow. So, um, look, on that note, Brett Bartlett, Captain, why don't you start us off? you got about six minutes. Well, first off, I won't take six minutes. I'll take five and a half. First off, all these other all these other sissy ass chiefs around the uh, around the country are going. Sure, glad that's not us. Until it happens, but that's what they're doing right now. Oh, because it's not us. We can boldly say, boldly, yeah, we would not have done that way. That's them. We're different. Until it happens to to them. Now, when I saw that article, I zoomed right in on the training, and and I saw something in there that is really, really. I've been I've been preaching this. It says training. Officers must have training experience through, through uh, 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 all the all the uh, different ways you train. But here's what here's where I think a lot of agencies fail. Agencies fail to test officers on on everything. And here's my mantra: when I teach police officers to be instructed, here's my mantra: if it's important enough to teach, it's important enough to test. Imagine these lawsuits. Uh, the guy sues the police department or the officer sues because he's been fired or disciplined. Well, Mr. Training Director, did this officer go to training? Yes, we have a roster. Here's our syllabus. How do you know that the officer learned what you were teaching them? Well, they, they were in the class. I even think the guy asked a question, if I remember from seven years ago. But do you have a test? Is there some testing instrument that you can show us that proves that this officer learned what was presented in the class. Too many times the answer is no, we just, we have a roster. They went, we talked, then we went to lunch. That's not gonna be good enough. There's gonna be a wave of lawsuits, including training documentation. And, and, and I've been telling, telling the, the people that I deal with, if it's important enough to test or teach, it's important enough to test. You better, even, even in roll call training, any sergeant now can come up with a five-question test, throw it in front of the guys, hey, we just talked about this, answer that, send it to training, we're all covered now. But that, it just goes by the wayside way too many times. But here's the big, here's the big overriding question, Chip, and you cannot deny this. Ready? What would LeBron do? Oh, that's a good point. I like, I I like want, that. I want to say that first before anybody else goes. All right. Well, how about what would Attorney Ward do? Uh, Ward, your thoughts? Uh, first, I have several thoughts. First of all, one thing the press doesn't point out, there was not a, there was not a shred, not a scintilla of evidence that anything here was racially uh, motivated. And the press ignores that. The prosecution would have loved to argue it, but there was no, there was no evidence of that whatsoever. Uh, I, was, I had read about the juror who said he was intimidated, or at least intimated he was intimidated. Uh, I was wondering what the jury would say if they're allowed to talk. Uh, I thought that Maxine Waters' conduct was absolutely reprehensible. I think this jury should have been sequestered uh, uh, much earlier than they actually were. Uh, let me try to break this down. There were three charges. The manslaughter charge was clearly proved. Uh, now, there's two murder charges. 
the, the murder three charge is depraved indifference. And under the definition of the Minnesota Supreme Court, he should not even have been charged with that. But, but they, may, they may try to find a way around that like they're trying to do in the newer case. The murder two charge was, is the verdict is defensible. I personally don't like it because it converts a criminal assault into a murder charge. Uh, most states do not permit that, but uh, Minnesota apparently does, and apparently it's uh, constitutional, although I have severe questions about that. Wow. All right. Thanks for dumbing that down. Uh, David, you got a couple minutes. Go ahead. You know, Brett covered a lot of it. Um, as far as the, uh, what, the, what the verdict means to law enforcement, it really shouldn't mean anything, uh, to, to, be quite, to be quite frank. Um, if, if a, an officer was convicted of something he did wrong, it, it, the system worked, it did what it's supposed to do. If you're a professional police organization somewhere in this country, you should be looking at that going, okay, and then carrying on with all the things that Brett just pointed out that you should have been doing the whole time in training, uh, documentation, and being, being, and being professionals at the job. So it really shouldn't have any effect on it. Uh, secondly, the, uh, to all the sycophants that Brett pointed out, all those chiefs and whatnot that are rolling over with their legs in the air and their soft undersides exposed to the BLM movement and all the other anarchists in the country just hoping that it doesn't come to their city, be a professional for once in your life and stand up and say what's right. Um, our department does things right. Uh, don't come here with your, with your BS and we won't have a problem. How about that? Wow, I like I like the way you think, David. Um, you know, I still don't see. I mean, look, Chauvin had the right to have representation, and it's called due process. I, I think that we're not going to find anyone on this panel, and hopefully, not find anybody that doesn't think that he at least deserved that, because everybody, or worse, criminals deserve that. Uh, but that said, I don't see anyone jumping up and down, except maybe his defense team, you know, singing his praises and saying that he didn't do anything wrong. So, um, you know, you've got to keep that in mind. Now. I've got um, just a little bit of time here, uh, and and Major Ron, once you uh, we're going to use you after the break. Hey, we're going to be uh, cutting to commercial, uh, but it is uh, an interview I did with Mike Badden. He's the new CEO of Galls, and uh, Galls uh, pretty much has everything that you need in law enforcement, except for uh, firearms and ammunition. So great company. I've had a relationship with them for many years, but they have a new CEO. So it's really a new goal. So guys, check this out. We're here with Mike Fadden, the new CEO of Galls. Can you give me an idea of how many branches that you have that Galls has and uh, also about the, I, I remember originally you weren't really in the uniform game, but but you are now and you've got a pretty substantial presence. Can you tell us a little bit about that too? Yeah, absolutely. Our 80, uh, 80 retail stores around the country, um, working hard to train those people that when an officer walks in the door, that's kind of a safe place for them. We're trying to make it so when they come in, we can do the work right there and they are able to walk out 10 minutes later. If there's um, an agency head or someone that's watching um, this interview and they're thinking about, you know, that need not being fulfilled like it should be, um, what would be your message to them as far as what you could do to make it better and e even even cost-wise, what the options might be with goals? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, first of all, we're trying to catch it on the front end. So, uh, there's a lot of manufacturers that are trying to get their products spec'd in. 
um, but not not all products are created equal. So we're we've trained our sales force to really be consultative to the to the command staffs and chiefs to help them select items in their program that we can service really well. Um, as far as uh, when agencies have problems, I will be personally involved in, in a quick re resolution. And then from a budget perspective, um, in a budget tight environment, I, I think it's a bad look for Gauls to go back to agencies that are struggling and ask for big price increases. So we're really trying to keep those to a minimum. We've also trained our reps to be able to go in and and look for cost savings. So listen, Chip, th thanks for uh, having me today and uh, just a pleasure for me to spend a few minutes with you. All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Major Ron, the floor is yours on the Chauvin trial. You know, um, it wouldn't have surprised me either way. Now, we all know that, that you know, when this happened last summer, we're all staring at the television, seeing the same thing, and wondering what this knucklehead's doing. Uh, no one no one is shocked, you know, that the country, well, when the country went ablaze, no one was too shocked because you hear all these politicians, just like uh, Captain Brett said, everyone gets behind the bandwagon and, oh, God, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. All these chiefs, now you're, now you're Billy Badass when it's someone else's stuff, you have a big mouth to talk. Like David said, if you're professional and you're doing your job, why don't you critique it at After Action Report, look at that and say, how can that never be us? What do we do to make sure that doesn't happen in our community? You know, what are my relationships with the community? What do my officers think they've been trained to do? If they haven't been tested, like Brett said, maybe they don't know. Maybe he thinks like, well, we, we trained to put our foot on the guy's neck and keep it there until he's, you know, what? Until he's what? Until two minutes after he's dead? I mean, so, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you're tested to know that you don't know it. So it's ridiculous. The whole thing's a mess. And I'm, I'm more annoyed at the juror. Like, if you thought you're being intimidated, you can't raise your hand and say, judge, this, that, or the other. But at the same time, he got due process. Just like Dave said, it's over now. Now let's move forward. Now here's what you do, folks. Refor Reformation's a two-way street. You know, we have a, we, we're woke now, but you stop fighting. Comply. How about that? You know what I'm saying? How about we put that out there and stop with these narratives and I hate when the, you read it in the paper and they tell you half the story. I don't give you all the information, all the facts. All these other um, deaths that's occurring in the news, they never tell you the whole facts of what really happened. Oh, he had a gun. Okay, yeah, we did. they did shoot that black man, but he had a gun. But two of the officers that shot him were black. You know, tell the whole story so the country understands the true magnitude of the situation. You know what I'm saying? Because when you don't tell the whole story, then it's a lie. Now, as a kid, you learn when something's written in column form, like in an encyclopedia or in a newspaper, that means it's been fact-checked, it's been vetted, and it's facts, and it's the truth. How about we get back to that? All I'm right. done. Thank you, Major. Okay, we got some open <laughs> mics. So, Ward, uh, why don't you go ahead and take it first, and then we'll get uh, Brett and David, and, and we'll uh, shut this topic out and move on to the next one. Speaking of facts, uh, one another thing the press doesn't report is that there was no evidence to show that Chauvin died as a result of any chokehold. Uh, the evidence was he died because of the position he was placed in, not because of the knee on the neck. Floyd, you mean Floyd yeah. died? Yeah, right. Floyd. Floyd, I'm sorry. Yeah, and to, to, Ron's, to Ron's point, and, and I didn't misspeak, but I didn't add it in there, 
I don't think this this is actually over yet either. Uh, the appeals, I'm sure, are coming, and they will be voluminous. So we'll see where that goes. All right. Thank you. Captain Brett, close us out on this. You know what this is like, Chip? It's like the the, the, the pressure cooker was, and, and the, the little thing on the top was rattling. It was, something's about to explode, and then somebody released the pressure. It's like after the hurricane where you go, oh, that was horrible. That, I mean, it, it blew some crap around. I got it, but I know I got about a year before the next. So everybody now is in this post feeling of, oh my gosh, I, I, what Derek Chauvin was, he was the pressure valve. That's all that guy was. He was a pressure valve that let the steam out, that let the pressure out. And, and, and that's, all, that's all he is to these people. But it's not over. It's going to get worse. And, and, and to Ron's point, it would be nice if the other side said, yeah, let's all get together and talk about it. That ain't going to happen. Because now the pressure's already building. Uh, the shooting in Columbus, some of the other shootings, just the, the pressure's building again. And some cops somewhere it's going to be the pressure valve release, and that's all they are anymore. They're releasing the pressure. All right. Thank you, Captain. All right, guys, moving along here. We are still on Police One. Virginia City fires a police officer over the Kyle Rittenhouse donation. It's a wild story. Brett, you've been saying not to do this for how many years now on the show? So uh, Norfolk, uh, uh, Virginia. So the police there, they fired a police lieutenant um, after the news reported uh, that he had donated to and expressed support for um, Kyle Rittenhouse. And he's the teenager accused of killing two people during a police brutality protest in Wisconsin that happened last summer. Uh, city officials announced on uh, Tuesday that police Lieutenant William Kelly had been relieved of duty after an internal investigation. And there was a news organizations, I guess, including the Virginia pilot uh, that reported that they had uh, obtained data from a Christian crowdfunding website that was hacked. And apparently it showed an initial initial anonymous $25 donation to Rittenhouse Legal Defense Fund. And it was linked to Kelly's get this now. You ready for it? His work email address yeah the cop uses work email great so according to the newspaper the donation carried the comment god bless thank you for your courage keep your head up you've done nothing wrong and then don't don't stop there it went on to say every rank and file police officer supports you so wow so uh any uh any comments on that did this guy get any sympathy for this guy captain he was doing good <laughs> until he used the until he used this dot gov a email and that makes it that makes it very easy for his agency to go you know what look at that it allows them to take the coward's way out and say we've told them don't use our our system for anything other than work related bad boy doesn't matter what he said he did it that's an easy man's out if it wasn't for that and he uses private and they attack him i think he'd have a huge cause of action thanks captain and for people watching the show Captain Bartlett retired, I think, with 32 years of service, somewhere around there, and he was an internal affairs commander. Uh, he knows his stuff. He's been there, done that. So, hey, um, I'm gonna. We've got about a minute left here before the next commercial break. I want to start reading uh, this next one. There's a video involved with this, and for people watching our show, if you want to see the videos, we cannot show those on a live episode. If you go to our Facebook page, Leo Roundtable, we've got links to all the stories, all the videos. You can watch them in advance during the show or afterwards. And of course, a producer will will be uh, putting up versions of this show 
Tuesday through Saturday uh, with embedded videos that we're talking about. Uh, but on this one, policeone.com and Thin Blue Line TV, a video has been released of an Ohio officer who fatally shot a teen allegedly attempting to stab two people. This has been all over the news. Uh, I've been dying to cover this thing. Um, I, I saw Donut Operator covered it, so we scooped this again, but I was on vacation. Uh, but wow. Um, and Columbus police shoot and kill a teenage girl, Micaiah Bryant, um, just as a verdict was being announced for the trial in George Floyd. Let's take a commercial break We'll pick real quick, and we'll be right back. All right. I want to take a moment and tell you guys about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Inefficiencies can negatively affect your staff's production morale as well as your agency's reputation. With proper oversight, your agency's Extra Duty Off-Duty Employment Program, it can be profitable. Now, while you still control the program, Extra Duty Solutions, they administer it at no cost to your agency while taking on all the administrative burden and the financial risk. Now, they keep the program fair and transparent. The officers that are most eligible to work the assignments, they get first crack at them, and they paid out over five, I'm sorry, 50 million dollars in extra duty work within the past 12 months visit them today at extradutysolutions.com and also the viridian fact duty weapon mounted camera it has become the only gun camera wide use by law enforcement across the nation now it fits standard police duty weapons and holsters and it records automatically when the officer's gun is removed from the holster and it provides an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, which overcomes inherent issues that you have with body cams, as we'll see in some videos today. Now, the fact duty, that's the FACT duty, it has a 1080p, a full high-definition digital camera. It has a microphone, a 500-lumen tactical light. It is less expensive in data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems as well. You can get more information on the fact duty at gun-camera.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. So we are talking about Columbus police fatally shooting Micaiah Bryant. Now, police showed a body cam video of this, and they showed it at a news conference of the officer shooting the girl as she appeared to stab two people with a knife. Now, it was a black-handled blade. It resembled a kitchen knife or steak knife. It appeared to be lying on the sidewalk next to her immediately after she fell. Now, officers had responded to an attempted stabbing call when police shot the girl at about 5, I'm sorry, 4.45 in the afternoon. The 911 call reported the female was trying to stab them before hanging up. The girl was taken to a hospital where she was pronounced uh, dead. Nobody else was injured. Now, Columbus Mayor Andrew Ginther uh, tweeted, uh, we know based on this footage, the officer took action to protect another young girl. I'm glad at least the mayor said that to provide some distance. Um, but we've got a lot of people weighing in on this, uh, a lot of people who shouldn't be weighing in on this. Um, there is also another kind of like a spoof video referencing Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron uh, James on Twitter. And uh, it's an officer, you know, talking about, you know, taking a call. He's getting uh, he gets dispatched and it's a stabbing call. But he wants to get LeBron on the phone first to find out, you know, uh, if he can do anything. And then he says, well, LeBron supposedly, you know, is allegedly, you know, it's all a spoof. Uh, so, again, I want to be specific about this for radio viewers. This is a spoof video. He's not really talking to LeBron, but he acts like LeBron's asking questions. He says, look, what does that matter? So then he says, well, no, no they're, they're both black, you know, and then he goes on and on. And so then he ends up 
not doing anything because of the situation involving uh, two black people. They didn't want uh, seemingly a white police officer to shoot a black person, even to save another black life. And if you are familiar with this um, stabbing uh, and watch the video, you'll know why. Um, so that said, Major Ron, why don't you take, a, take this first? You know, that's it in a nutshell. You have a, a girl, um, she's 16, but she has a knife. So her age is now irrelevant. Okay, she's already cut one girl or cut a couple girls and she's getting ready to stab another. They called 911. They called the police. Get over here, help us, help us. The police officer gets there and she sees the officer. It's not like he ran up behind her and it just happened. She didn't know the officer was there. She sees the officer when she chases one girl. The girl falls to the ground and she still turns and she's going to stab the other girl while the officer's there because she didn't care. Well, <clears throat> you have to look at it like this, folks. Do you care about black lives? Do you care that would the officer would have stood there, ma'am, stop, 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 and she stabbed and killed the girl or maimed the girl or, or hurt her to the point she could never have kids? Would anyone care? Would anyone blame the officer? Would anyone say, oh, at least the officer didn't shoot her? You know, I had a really good friend that said we're, we're talking about it. And he was just like, Ron, but there's another dead child, you know, and his child died tragically. And it was and it's so ridiculous. And I won't go into his issue, but he has an absolute right to be upset. Um, but um, he has a different perspective looking at a young dead child. But I'm like, there could have been two dead children or three dead children. You know, who knows when she would have stopped? And he said, well, could you shoot her in the leg or in the arm or something? And that's the subject that, I mean, I, I tell you, when I talk to people, especially people in the community, 90% of the people, especially in the black community, want to know, can you shoot people in the leg or can you shoot people in the arm? I go, TJ Hooker can every time. Get them right in the wrist or hit them in the, in the, in the gun uh, trigger and the, the gun don't work anymore. I go, that's fake, fake. You know, uh, Larry Pinkerton and some, you know, <laughs> some of our TRT guys could probably do it. But, you know, my whole point is, what if I shoot you in the leg and I tell if I was trying to shoot Chip in the leg and I hit a femoral artery and he died, what happens now? Do I get to be charged with, you know, couple negligence, uh, third degree, you know, you know, what, what are my charges now? Am I still charged? These are things we need to have the conversations with and explain to people, to everyone, everyone sit down and have conversations in your community, true conversations and tell people what's going to happen. When the police show up and you've called 911, someone has a knife and they're cutting people, you're going to get killed. You're going to get shot and killed. That's what you should expect. Anything less than that, you know, a blessing from God. Okay. But come on, young lady, you're stabbing people. You're cutting people. Why are we upset? You know, why are we upset? Well, Major, I got a question for you. I know Captain uh, Brett has opened up his mic too, but, and Andrea has, but uh, Major, what do you think? Uh, we haven't heard that, that I know of anything from the victim's family. Um, would you expect to hear something from them? I, I almost feel like they have an obligation instead of just sitting back and watching all this unfold. I'm really hoping that the victim's family, unless someone's aware of something that's happened that I'm not, then they come forward and say, look, we're glad he, you know, he saved our daughter and we completely support mm -hmm. the officer's decision to use deadly force. See, I always look, I always look at that too, Chip, and I'm glad you brought that up. I always think like at some point, will the other side stand up and say, yeah, folks, but look, or look what happened. It would be nice if they said, my daughter's alive. I know the young lady's dead, you know, but she did this, she did that, and the officer did his job or did what we begged him to come here to do. And no one gets up in the morning thinking, oh, I'm going to go shoot a 16-year-old girl who's a foster child, you know. No one thinks that when they get up in the morning and put on that uniform. 
you know, and to take all the guff they're going to take. When they pull that trigger, everyone knows hell is coming their way. It doesn't matter what the case is, <laughs> you know, in this day and age. It doesn't matter what color you are. Um, it often matters what color the victim is because all of a sudden people care, you know, now. But did you care whether the person was alive? What were you doing standing there? And you'll see some of the other videos. You have family members standing there. Then why aren't you stopping this person? Why aren't you stopping them from what they're doing? Uh, you know, they're getting ready to die. They're getting ready to go meet their maker. And you're standing there like Boo Boo the Fool. And oftentimes you're, you're videoing it. You know, why don't you do something to help the officer, to prevent the officer from having to kill your family member, chasing them with knives and stuff? Come on. This is craziness. And we all need to sit back and look and just use common sense and apply common sense. You love your family, you love your life. If you cherish it, then help help law enforcement do something positive about it instead of bitch and complain and do nothing except run to the news and try to, you know, get a sound bite. It, it's just it, right now it's just disgusting and it's so different. And at some point, someone has to have the intestinal fortitude, the edge or the balls, to stand up and change the way things are being done now. Okay, it's unten it's untenable. Thank you. Thank you, Major. Now, Captain Brett. Um there is a psychological thing called the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. And it, it's these people, the less they know, the more um, emboldened they feel to talk about something. Uh, but I'm just reading here as the definition, as it says, the less we know, the more we think we know. As a result, people who express opinions about everything they hear without knowing anything but they think they know a lot more than the others. Uh, I know Dan Bongino on the Dan Bongino show was talking about this originally, and I was unaware of it. And then it kind of explains guys like Geraldo Rivera, Juan Williams on the five, and then, of course, LeBron, you know, talking out the wrong end when they have literally, they don't know anything about what they're talking about. It kind of helps explain a little bit. What do you, uh, what do you think, Captain? Well, I believe that's true. I hope there's a vaccine for it. I think we ought to shut down for two weeks and flatten the curve. Till we can till we can all get over it uh wear a mask and six foot distance until we get our get work the dumbass out of our system but i read uh i read on some news outlet chip that the family's already looking at the civil suit and it doesn't surprise me one little bit this is going to sound very cynical this comes down deep from 30 years 32 years of watching the bad side of people and here it is don't think that there's maybe not that family but some families look at that casket and go Damn, that's worth about 12 million bucks right there. If I'd, had, if I'd known that, I'd had more of you little heathens. And I'm not saying to them, but don't tell me there's not some people, as soon as that kid drops dead, they're looking at, yeah. they're looking at the cash value. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to suffer for that somewhere down the... But don't tell me they're not looking at their little kids. They'll say they've got three, and you go, damn, if I'd have had one more, that's about 46 million bucks between... They're 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 going to sue Chip. They're going to sue. It's going to happen. Well, don't worry. If you if you take some of the heat on YouTube, it'll take it off of David D. Grustis. So don't feel bad. Hey, we've got about uh, 30, 40 seconds. Andrea, why don't you go first, and then uh, we'll probably hit Dave after commercial break. I was just going to say real quick that, you know, this is just like a routine call. We've gone on domestics. We've gone on race-related. You know, people call us out there. Where does the liability lie on the caller? You know, the dispatchers are trying to get the information. I had the, I don't want to say luxury, but of working in um, being a call taker right at the end of my, my career. And you, there you try to get the information. They don't want to give you any information. They would call shots fired on most calls just to try and get law enforcement out there. Where does the liability fall on them? Officers show up with limited information. And she, I mean, she had a knife. It was deadly force. Good point, Andrea. Uh, David, do you want to throw anything in real quick? You have about 10 seconds. 
Yeah, real quick. I I just thought that that syndrome you were describing was was uh, captains and and uh, majors. I, I wasn't <laughs> shy. I, that's, that's what I thought. Oh, that's good. Hey, one more commercial break, guys. We'll be right back. So, hey, let's talk about industry leader and technology solutions for law enforcement, Guardian Alliance Technologies. Their software will cut background investigators' time in half. Now, we all know that there's a call for more accountability in hiring and selecting who gets to wear the badge. Now, Guardian has developed a CGIS-compliant background investigative software platform that helps weed out problematic applicants in record time. Now, with Guardian, the entire background check process is more comprehensive, and it's much faster for both the agency and the applicants. No upfront fees or long-term commitments. So I strongly recommend that you visit them today at guardianalliancetechnologies.com. And also, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. Now, gunlearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they made it easy. Gunlearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, uh, firearm manufacturers, and law enforcement agencies. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. You can start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. Come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Is there anybody else on the uh, on the last video, or are you guys ready to move on? We've got a quick one here. Uh, this is on Thin Blue Line TV, and it's titled Watch Florida Woman. You know, Brett, they're always Florida women. Uh, watch Florida Woman go airborne in a wild police pursuit, and she crashes into a car dealership. David, this video is wild. Dramatic footage captured by Florida Highway Patrol dash cam, and reportedly Jennifer uh, Caraval the suspect was driving at speeds in excess of 110 miles an hour. Judging by the video, I, I don't doubt that. She's been charged with DUI, so she survived, and she was charged with reckless driving. She was also on probation for, get this, a DUI manslaughter from a previous incident. So there you have it. Uh, Corporal Dave, uh, maybe you recognize the car, Dave. I don't know. No, the, the, many, many episodes ago, uh, Brett made a comment at one point going, you know, wh- where else can you go and see stuff like this? It's like, <laughs> wow, you'll be playing that video at the next squad party going, okay, uh, we're, we're taking bets on how many cars she clears before she lands on that last one. This is fantastic. I mean, just it's amazing the things that you see on this job. Just absolutely amazing. And people uh, well, live I mean, through I, it. They live through yeah. it crazy i mean I, I know andrea lives in florida i've seen her drive before and i saw some similarities between the two but i'm just throwing it out there so um uh captain bartlett go ahead you've seen andrea drive too brett 
Yes. Um, we'll talk about that later. First, uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave, after that last comment about me, obviously you have that syndrome. And otherwise you wouldn't have said that about captains. You wouldn't have said that. Uh, getting back to the chases, the day after Mayor Greco, this is decades ago, so all right, you guys can chase again. Speaking of how they never died, Dave. I chase this kid down the bottom. He turns a corner. The car flips over eight or nine times. It bursts into flames. I thought, I have killed somebody. About two minutes later, a head comes out of the, out of the car. And I saw on his side, comes out. It's like a gopher looking out of his hole, right? And, the, and then the kid runs. And I realized, unless you remove the head from the body, the body will will live. You have it's like the Highlander. You gotta you gotta kill the head. The body will <laughs> die. Hey, but there man, can be only one. There yeah, can be only I, one. I've seen cars tumble off the interstate, just crash, crash, like, and then a little head pops up. Off they go. Just and you go ten eight ten eight. Hey, I just want Andre before you jump in here. I just want to know, Brett, how long did it take you to catch the kid on foot? No, I, he, I didn't he called, bother. He, he called he's me still for running. that. Yeah. I didn't he's still running. I, he called me for that. And, and yeah. awfully, awfully guilty conscience, Brett, that you thought I was talking about you a minute ago. That's just, I don't know. Well, I, don't know. I, was, I was a captain, so how the hell am I supposed to think? Maybe I've got it. Well, Andrea? I was just going to say that I'm pretty sure that Brett might have taught me some of my driving, so be careful what you say, Brett. <laughs> wow, I like that. You know, you never know what you're going to learn here on the show, so... All right. If there's nobody else, we will jump into another main story. We've got, I think, three of them this evening. So we are on uh, policeone.com again. Um, and like, I, I can't remember who said it earlier. Maybe it, maybe it was uh, Major Ron, but uh, I have a little note here just saying, take race out of the equation. And that goes mostly to the media, but everybody throws that in. But uh, um, we're talking about, we're in uh, Brooklyn Center, uh, Minnesota. So the Brooklyn Center Police Department, uh, the chief is Tim Gannon. He described a Sunday shooting as the death of a 20-year-old Dante Wright as an accidental discharge when Officer Kim Potter, we covered the story, she's a 26-year veteran of the department. She uh, apparently intended to fire a taser. She shot her firearm or handgun instead, fatally shot Wright during a traffic stop. And uh, as uh, Chief John Newman predicted, Brooklyn Center Mayor Mike Elliott, well, he, well, the mayor first said he called the shooting deeply tragic and said that the officer should be fired. So he kind of like jumped out there a little bit early. And then he said, we're going to do everything that we can to ensure that justice is done and our communities are made whole. It almost sounds like he's opening the door for lawsuit. And then the day after the shooting, city council fires, which is what Chief John uh, predicted. They fired the city manager, uh, Kurt uh, Bogani and they uh, transfer control at a city council meeting, transfer control of the police department to the mayor. And uh, Officer Kim Potter, the next day, she resigns, and the mayor says that Chief Gannon resigned as well. And then after that, Officer Potter, since our show, has been charged with second-degree manslaughter, but community leaders are calling for murder charges on that. So all that goes to build up before I do this story on Police One, and it's it's titled Unintended a theory of taser slash weapon confusion. Now, it was originally published on Four Science Institute on their website, and you know we swear by Four Science. It's a uh, it's a great resource uh, of information. I'm not going to go too deep into this because we'll have the article on the website. Producer Will will put it up, but it talks about a capture error, and it can occur when an infrequent action 
you know, you don't do it a lot, like drawing a taser. It's non-consciously uh, substituted by a similar, more familiar one uh, that's a pr practice action, like, you know, drawing the gun. So research has shown that people are particularly susceptible to this type of error when they are occupied with other mental processes going on. So for police, the processes might involve time-compressed threat assessments, the need for immediate action, simultaneous efforts to communicate, you know, talking on the radio and stuff. And it also includes verbal uh, warnings and de-escalation attempts. And it talks about capture errors fall under the category of performance errors known as slips. And slips occur when someone has the right intention, but they fail in executing it. And they're difficult to reduce. Even with training, which is what I've always said, this is it really comes down to a training issue, in my opinion, unless someone knows something I don't know. Um, visual cues or increased motivation is what it comes down to. Now, it talks about experts and novices are susceptible to slip errors. They're not the result of a lack of knowledge or expertise, but occur from a temporary failure of working memory. And you can reduce these errors by inserting visual cues, uh, weight disparities, audible warnings. Uh, they can all be affected by attentional, uh, by attentional limitations, uh, just like, you know, tunnel vision, all that stuff. Humans perceive uh, what they pay attention to, and during critical incidents, their attention may be involuntarily pulled to the most, um, the, the greatest stimulus in the environment. Often that person's, um, that is the person, the object of the action perceived to pose the greatest threat at the time. And But it does talk about, um, if you want to mitigate the taser and weapon confusion, it does talk about training. Even though it may not completely solve the problem, they do talk about the training the mental and physical processes involved in a task-intensive training um, situation. So um, it's got some other stuff in there. I think it's too much to really get into, uh, but it talks about mitigating that. Uh, you know, Captain Brett's still a trainer uh, for uh, police departments. He's still in the game. I was kind of curious, Captain, you know, what you thought about this. Well, for this particular situation, there's no doubt that the first thing they're going to do, they're going to go to training. Then they're going to training records. Then they're going to go to the syllabus. Then they're going to go to the instructor. And then they're going to find out what she learned. They're going to find out how that they prove that she learned it. That's where they're going to start. But there's another phenomenon. It goes very close to what you were talking about. It's called a training scar. If you've learned something wrong, and that's the way you do it. It's a training scar. I'm not saying that's that's her situation, but it's very possible because if you've picked up on something and nobody nobody realizes you've learned it the wrong way, it doesn't manifest itself un until it's time to do it. So maybe somewhere uh, in training, she got this training scar, learned it the wrong way, did it the wrong way. Again, I am not saying that's what happened. I'm saying it's possible. It's happened before, but that's where they're going to go. When that, when that lawsuit gets filed, there's a subpoena going to be served on those training records. If, and if I was that attorney, the first thing I would ask is, show me the syllabus, show me the roster, show me the test instrument that proves that she demonstrated the skills with that taser that you were trying to teach her that day. Makes sense. All right, Attorney Ward, you've got a, a minute and 20 seconds. A disclaimer, I'm not like you, a huge fan of Force Sciences uh, articles. I think they're pretentious, if not pedantic at times. I, I, in this case, I like this particular article, although I think he understated the number of uh, deaths from accidental malpractice. Um, with respect to this case, I think it's an absolute outrage that this woman was charged with a crime. I think this is an easy civil case. She was clearly negligent. I have no problem with that. But to charge her with second-degree manslaughter, I, I think, is, is, is wrong. 
the elements of second degree manslaughter in Minnesota are that she has to consciously take the chance Ward, of you've causing got, death. You've got about 30 seconds, Ward, and then we're going to end the show or end the first half of the show. So go ahead. She has to, they have to prove that she consciously uh, took a chance that caused great bodily harm. She didn't consciously take a chance here from what I've seen from the evidence. It was a pure accident. All right. Well, uh, we'll keep following the story. And, uh, and, and like you, Ward, look, I think she should be done with police work. I don't think she should be in that game anymore. We'll be right back after this commercial break. All right, guys. Well, look, um, that is the first half of the show. So, and you know, some of the radio stations that carry our show, they carry uh, the first hour of it. It's a 90 minute show, which makes for two hours of radio uh, because 15 minutes of every hour involves, you know, commercials and weather and news and traffic and all that good stuff. So, um, so thanks for your support, guys. If your radio station's not carrying the full two hour version, please get with them, ask them to carry the additional hour.